You are listening to the Becoming Men podcast. Hey guys, thanks for joining me on the Becoming Men podcast brought to you by thebecomingmen.com. I'm your host, Ray De La Nuez, and this is the podcast for men on their masculine journey. Today, I'll be joined by Ken Williams, and we are going to dive straight into some of the hard questions about homosexuality and gender confusion from a Christian perspective. And I truly believe that you guys are going to find this episode extremely informative and helpful. As always, you can connect with me on Instagram at Ray De La Nuez, and if you want to go ahead and click on those links, they are going to be down below. And if you are new to this podcast, go ahead and click that subscribe button so that you won't miss any future episodes. Before we dive into this week's interview, I want to ask you guys a quick question. Are you walking around with unanswered questions? Like ask yourself that right now. Are you walking around with unanswered questions? If the answer is yes, I want to tell you, and I I hope I'm not the first person to tell you, Please stop that. This community here is made for men like you to be able to come together and ask those questions that we are not able to find answers for, questions that are still nagging at us, questions that we are dragging along with us through life that we are having a hard time answering ourselves because we either lack the experience or we lack the people, the peer groups around us to be able to give us that type of information. So guys, this ministry is empowered by a panel of wise and spirit-filled Christian men who would love to give you their perspective, the things that worked for them, and the things that didn't. So go ahead and send in your questions. And guys, no question is a stupid question. I'm going to say that again. No question is a stupid question. Send your question in to thebecomingmen.com. Again, that's thebecomingmen.com. Go ahead over to the top, find that questions tab, click it, send it in, and we cannot wait to hear from you guys. Now let's get into this week's show. Ken, how's it going, man? Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the guys listening? Well, first of all, it's an honor to be on your program. Any Anybody that's going after purity for men and just helping men know who they are and live godly lives, like I got all, I got all kinds of time for that. So really appreciate what you're doing and, and, uh, this ministry. It's awesome. Amen. Um, my name is, yeah, Ken Williams. I live in Northern California. I'm a pastor at a church up in Northern California. And, um, my, my story is one of having come out of same sex attraction, some homosexuality, and, um, that has ended up really being my full-time life mission. In addition to just my, my ministry, that's what I'm pastoring is that whole area. And, um, I've been doing that for the last probably four or five years, mostly full time for that amount of time. And I've been one of the leaders of my church's men's purity group for the last 10 or 11 years, a weekly ministry for men, helping them walk out of whatever kind of sexual brokenness, brokenness or bondage, addiction, whatever, um, and so I had a lot of opportunity to work with a lot of men, um, through that experience. My passion is to, is to help people really live out their true identity, not just the temptations or the desires that have traveled through their head. Give us a brief rundown, maybe take a couple minutes just to talk about, um, where that landed you kind of following those temptations running through your head and, and the path that you've taken and, and where God has led you as a result. Yeah. So I, I got saved, um, in a real conservative Southern church, um, when I was eight years old and had a very genuine experience of, you know, meeting Christ and really wanting to follow him. Um, and yet our, our spiritual experience was very legalistic. So, 
um, I was really working for love. I was, I was trying to earn heaven points or something, a favor with God by, by trying to be perfect. And probably most of you watching this know that that's a co completely exhausting effort. And um, then by the time I was uh, eight or nine, around that same time, so eight or nine years old, I got exposed to pornography, a babysitter, showed me a playboy and said, Hey, doesn't that turn you on? And I remember feeling like I failed my man test that I, I didn't get the man card or whatever, when he was really into it. And I wasn't, um, I also was exposed to hardcore gay pornography. Um, some months later, just playing in a field and a kid opens a boot box and there is hardcore gay porn in there. And I felt like my conscience had just been seared. I, I, I felt like I was damaged and that I could never let any, and I didn't even really understand what I was looking at. I, you know, so foreign to anything I'd ever imagined or right. seen. Um, but it just, it just damaged me. I felt so much shame. And then some other, some, some kids, uh, another porn experience where kids in the neighborhood were looking at Playgirl and Playboy. We were both looking at both, but this, tomboy girl says to me, Oh, so you like looking at the men. And when really I, we were all looking at both and it's like, there were these, uh, chinks in my armor. There were these attacks on my identity that started at an early age. Um, in addition to the fact that I was always the smallest, skinniest, scrawniest kid in every class. And so just keeping up with the boys, you know, in elementary school was a challenge. Yeah. And at some point, um, you know, I, I also, it's interesting how we find ways to protect ourselves or affirm ourselves if we're not getting it. And, and I, I looked at the men that were congregating around after church and I heard them talking about football. And then I heard the women gathered around and they were talking about the Lord. Yeah. And, you know, just as a child, just a child's perspective, I drew all these conclusions that men were less than that they were less spiritual, less noble. And, and really, um, I, and this is all in hindsight, of course, I didn't of understand course. all this at the time, but I, I, I realize as I go back and, and look at what I, the conclusions I drew and the choices that I made, I really had just decided to dump the idea of masculinity. Yeah. And I was just trying to be a, a neutral person, which, you know, we, we all know that you're, you're chromosomally, you know, your biology you're either a male or a female. If you have XY chromosomes, you're male. If you have XX, you're a female. And, and so being a neutral person doesn't work out very well, certainly not in the 1980s. Right. Or, and so, so, you know, as I became, you know, preteen or, or in my early teens, I started realizing, gosh, you know, I just really don't fit in. Um, by the time I'm 15, I realized, wow, I'm not sexually attracted to the girls uh, I'm not girl crazy like the other boys are. Matter of fact, I'm sexually attracted to the boys. And that was very troubling for me. I, I had no desire to have any sexual experience or relationship with males. And yet that's the only people I was sexually attracted to. Right. My theology was that homosexuality is a sin and therefore not, not beneficial. Um, and yet what do you do when you find, you know, we, we don't plan our sexual desires. We find ourselves with whatever we're attracted to. And I found myself even being raised in church with same sex desires. And 
that really was the beginning of my, of my deep struggle. And it, it went on from there. Um, by the time I'm 17, I'm suicidal because I didn't want to live that life. But I had um, uh, some, some years previous, I had just been hanging out with this. I had become close friends with this guy. And um, one night spending the night, just I had no intention of doing anything sexual um, he, who I didn't think even had any kind of a same sex attraction issue at all, made made an advance at me. And and I, I didn't push him away. I I didn't seem to find the wherewithal to push him away because his touching me in that area showed value for me as a man. Right. I had I had never felt like I was respected as a man, seen as a man, valued for having any masculinity. Yeah. And when he touched me like that, it was a giant affirmation. And um, so that mutual exchange there went on for some months. And the guilt and shame I felt was awful. I don't know how to describe that level of deep shame because it's not what I wanted for my life. And I knew that was what God was saying. Do not touch this. Do not do this. And yet was doing it. Um, and thank God a family move separated us. I, I, I broke off that relationship, cried out to, to my, my finally broke down and told my parents, you know, I, I need help. We cried together for two hours. They connected me with a, a Christian psychologist. Um, and, and basically I saw him weekly for five years and he kept me alive and started, started teaching me, Ken, you wouldn't know grace if it hit you in the face. Like you, you are so legalistic and religious and perf- you're trying to be Jesus, not live for Jesus, wow. not follow Jesus. <laughs> wow. And you need to repent of your pride, you know, for even trying. Right. And, and that was a whole, I mean, I could, it took me really years to get my brain around that, that, yeah. that, that God, yes. Ha- did he have standards for my life? Absolutely. But did he love me extravagantly and send his son to die for me while I was while we were yet sinners? Christ died for us. Yes, he did. And and so I, I over time, I started to find a, a relationship with God rather than an instruction manual that he threw at me. <laughs> right. So good. And I and I started to experience some love for myself and some connection with others. Um, but what really happened for me was um, I had a five year physical illness. Um, you, we would call it some kind of like gastritis or acid reflux type thing sure. now, but back then there was no treatment for it. And I had this five-year illness, which was really terrible. I was super skinny, lost all this weight, was very, very sick. And, uh, a, a friend laid hands on me, prayed for me, commanded, um, sickness to leave me. And I had this radical experience where I, where I, I did get a touch in my physical body, all of the pain left. Wow. And and my takeaway was, oh my gosh, God is good. Number one. Yeah. Number two, if he says that homosexuality is wrong, he must have a solution for it because he's not diabolical. Right. He's not crazy. So, so I went on this pilgrimage to, you know, find healing for my sexuality. And God just led me encounter after encounter, person after person, mentor after spiritual father or mother that really walked me those next several years through really an intimate connection with, with God and with people that he put in my life. And it, it radically transformed me to the point that I started noticing this beautiful girl 
that I, that I was starting to get to know in my young adults group at my church. And I was started to not be able to, like, I'm trying to not look at, at her and I needed to, I needed to stare at her. And that was the first time I'd ever felt that way. Yeah. And, uh, you know, eventually asked her out. Um, we dated a short while and then I've been married to her for 13 and a half years by this point. Oh, praise God, man. <laughs> That's awesome. So have four kids together with her and we've practiced some more, you know, and, yeah. um, and, and, and enjoy my sex life. I, I, I never, ever sexualize men in my head. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, my, my pornography addiction that was, it was deep and long running, um, is broken. I, I never, ever struggle with masturbation, which that was an everyday thing, if not multiple times a day for a couple of decades. Yeah. And that all went away. So God has just really blown my doors off. Yeah. To tell you the truth. Well, I just want to take a moment, just be obedient to the spirit real quick and do and just point to that. That testimony yeah. right there is the same testimony that I point to every single time, Ken, because I feel like my, my addiction to pornography left like that. It wasn't wow. a long drawn out process of, Hey, you know, maybe I kind of just stumbled on my way and I'm doing better. And Oh, I did good for five months. No, it literally just left my life and I didn't desire it anymore. The only place that I found, uh, anything relating to it was in second Chronicles 20. When King Jehoshaphat is coming against a great army, which by the way, this army was an army that was there only because his father didn't take care of it beforehand. So it was, mm -hmm. it was an army mm -hmm. coming against him and he, all he does is just cry out to God, God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. I literally don't know what to do. And at the end of wow. it all, God just says, you know what? All you have to do is don't go out there. Don't attack him. All you have to do is just praise, just lift up your hand and, and, and praise. And guys, it's really that simple. I couldn't make it Amazing. up. Amazing. Put your hands up and pray. Cry out and shout. A, a joyful shout is the word that's used there in the in the Hebrew for praise. Do a joyful shout to the Lord and he is good to take that out. Masturbation, take it out. Pornography addiction, take it out. Any desires for the same sex, gone. I always encourage people to go for an instant breakthrough. Yeah, like exactly. Jesus ministered to people. I mean, it was was am and and they walked away a different person right. and you know so like my pa my pastor bill johnson says you know his god's program is a one-step program out of darkness and into his marvelous light you know but he, he says hey if it takes you 20 steps or 300 steps keep walking until you get everything that jesus died for you to have right but believe every time believe that God is coming through. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you what it strikes me just from my own, my own journey, the, the having your eyes on God, that is, there's so much in that because what I've, what I have learned through my journey and now I've helped, you know, hundreds of men by this point with, with homosexuality, what it is, is, uh, it's an intimacy challenge. Right. It's, it's sex is relational. It's, it's as yeah. relational as we can be as to have sexual intimacy right. with someone. And so it's a relational problem. It's an intimacy problem. And so intimacy is the solution. And so, you know, we, as we are, are endeavoring to be our best selves and to really represent Christ in, in the best way that we can, it's all about knowing him intimately. Yeah. Yes. And then also being known by those that he puts in community with us, you know, I mean, be, having real relationships. I know that's that you talk about that on this podcast, but you know, being real men who, ha, who are 
real with their real problems with their real friends and, and are actually having, having a mindset that I am constantly looking at you, Lord, yeah. through ever, whatever I'm going through, I, I'm looking at you because right. it's so my, my, um, my ministry partner, Elizabeth Wanning, she accidentally got delivered of her same sex attraction. She, she had, she was wow. a, she was an out and proud lesbian attending Presbyterian seminary, openly gay. She, she had no qualms with her, you know, uh, with her theology telling her she had no qualms with homosexuality. She, she was at peace with it. That was an acceptable lifestyle, but she, as she experienced the Holy spirit's touch through, I, I won't go into that story, but she, she realized, wow, maybe there's something more. And she, she got a brand new Bible, a highlighter started in Genesis, went all the way through simply looking for the character of God. Who is God? Yes. And by the time she got to the end, she realized where did my same sex attractions go and why am I sexually attracted to the pastor that invited me to church? Wow. A man. And she's been married to him for 14 exactly. years. Yes. A man. Yes. Wow. I love that guys. Hey, that one was free. All of this that is was free. free. <laughs> all of that is free. And, and Ken, I want to relate as much as possible with my audience. And just like I told you before, I'm coming here without any other prior research. Guys, I'm not like well-versed in even the right language to use, right? All I know is what culture has been telling us about homosexuality and the LGBTQ uh, movement. All I know is the stereotypes that we've been fed and kind of the, the, the attitudes that other men have against homosexuality. Right. So I'm coming to you, Ken, with these questions and I want to know what exactly is homosexuality? Like some people are saying, well, it's a it's a mental condition or it's a spirit. Like, where are we? Yeah, um, I I think it's really dangerous when people try to simplify it down to, oh, well, it's this or uh, or it's it's always a demon or whatever. I mean, uh, it's it's a complex issue. I kind of look at it like I would um, like autism where they don't know any one single at this point. I'm not, I don't think they're, they identified any one cause, but we know of a bunch of things that can contribute. And so the, 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 the way that I feel like the Lord has, has shown me to focus it is to, is what I said a minute ago is it's an, it's an intimacy uh, dysfunction or disruptions have happened. Yeah. And, and it has caused me therefore not to bond well uh, to others. It's caused me, and, and as, re, as a result, to not know who I am, because really, I mean, community really informs who we are. I mean, we, God is God uses the body of Christ to to sharp iron, sharpen iron and, and for us to really discover, oh, OK, so you're like that. And I'm I'm similar, but I'm different in these ways. Um, it, it, there's there's so much isolation and loneliness in homosexuality. It's largely a search for self. What stereotypes? What hindrances are there? Maybe two or three major ones that you think are there that are hindering us from being able to have an atmosphere that is open for change and transformation in the um, LGBTQ uh, community. My ministry partner, Elizabeth, says um, the power of the pride movement comes from the depth of the shame. Say that again. And the power of the pride movement, the LGBT pride movement comes from the depth of the shame. (laughs) And I want to say that very gingerly because I'm telling you, it's like my story. I didn't ask for homosexuality, nor did these people, you know, it's very much, um, they are, 
who knows what their home life was? Who knows what happened to them? Yeah. I mean, the incidence of sexual abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse is way high on, on that people group. It's not every person, but it's very common. And so we need to have all kinds of grace for these people. I think for one thing, since we don't, when we don't understand something, we, we tend to kind of shy away from it. So we kind of want to put up a wall to protect ourselves when, you know, by and large, most people that identify as LGBT, they, uh, they're not trying, they're not activists. They're not trying to ruin anybody's life or they're not militant in any kind of way. They're just trying to live their life and find some satisfaction. And so, you know, um, I, th I think we need to have enough faith in, in God's ability to, to lead us and protect us and all that, that we're able to rub shoulders and, and, and come up against, not against, but to come up alongside yes. or with people in that community and just treat them like anybody else. It's like, you know, we don't go up to someone that we suspect has um, a drug problem or an alcohol problem and, and, and withdraw fellowship from them immediately or, or not, you know, not know what to say to them, you know, and as much as we can kind of just treat them like anyone else, um, we, we need to be doing that because we have to build, if we're going to influence them or offer them the hope that we feel we have, we have to have a bridge to be able to reach them. And so realize, you know, kind of breaking some of that stigma of, of uh, they're, they're terrible people or they're, or, or anything like that, that would just be kind of ridiculous um, is helpful. Yeah. And, um, and to realize that, that God, you know, God died for them. God has just like us, he has, he has plans for them. And, and really you don't need to be an expert in understanding LGBT in order to be powerful, uh, in ministering to, or offering hope to that people group. Sure. The, 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 the guy, the guy that was probably the most beneficial in helping me walk out of LG, out of homosexuality. Um, was a man who had, you know, he had no experience with, with that. Um, but he just fathered me. He just, you know, met with me for coffee once a week for about a year. And he just would, would call, we would just affirm what God was doing in my life. And he would just say, Hey, you know, you're, that was so brave what you did, Ken, or I, that was such a, that was such a noble attribute. He just affirmation, wow. attention, affection exactly. from another healthy male he treated me like anyone else and you know, just forming real relationships yeah. with people. Then maybe I'll have an opportunity to take withdrawals if I've put in enough deposit, you know. What do you think are some of the things that you wish you had in a community of men um, that maybe you didn't have at first? I know you talked about your uh, Christian counselor that you were seeing, and then you mm -hmm. have talked about the men's group that, that you guys have there at uh, Bethel Church. Mm -hmm. But maybe what are some of the things that you didn't have at first before you found um, those people and some of the things that you see now that maybe you're doing to others that are helpful? You know, I have this deep passion that really so much of the solution for men that are trying to come out of gender confusion or homosexuality is you need a strong, kind, spirit-filled male, older male that, that can come alongside you and just let you be in his presence and be, be valued. And so what I needed was a whole, ideally, as, as a child, I needed a whole com my, my community to um, have men that were still, still competitive, still, you know, spiking the football dramatically when they make a touchdown right. and celebrating, you know, their achievement and all that. And, but also 
I, I needed them to also come over to me and say, Hey man, how, how are you? Uh, oh, you're not, I noticed you're not playing with us. Um, is there, you know, I, I'll keep it just to me. Is there a reason that you, that you're not wanting to do that? I needed yeah. someone to, to make that bridge for me over into stereotypical, you know, masculinity. Right. And for there to be no shame. And it, it's more powerful when you got the big, strong, powerful men that are doing it. Yes. Because those are the ones that, that feel intimidating. Those are the ones that are like, oh, I, that's the proof that I don't measure up is them. And so when, when they come over and they humble themselves and I realize, I mean, it's like they're living their own lives, you know? So it's like, why are they supposed to take on me on a, as a project? I get that. But anytime that, that one would come over and kind of give me eye contact and be like, Hey, ask me questions or just say, how are you doing? Or is there anything I could do to help you come and play the game with us? And like, dude, we don't care whether you completely whiff it or, or if you, wow. you know, if you get, if you, you hit a home run, you know, the, the first time it's like, Hey, just come have fun with us. That kind of inclusion and value statements from other healthy males is worth a million bucks. And yeah. I needed people. Um, I needed guys in particular, my age or older, um, particularly like a pastor or a youth pastor. I needed some them to come and say, can I will walk with you all the way from where you are now to the finish line. I, I needed yeah. that sense of not being alone and being being noticed and, and having that constant help right alongside you. Yeah. You know where we met. So that was like five years ago. Uh, yeah. that weekend was actually the first time that I met my mentor, um, like in, in person, you know, I, the first okay. thing I said to him was, Hey, you actually have legs, you know, cause he was just kind of like a digital torso, you know, this entire time. So <laughs> right, guys, I right. met my mentor online and, and we connected and Hey, he's, a great man. I've still talked to him today. Seven years later, he's still a huge influence in my life. And on this podcast, Andy, I love you, bro. I love Andy too. Yeah. <laughs> That's who connected us here. So the first time, the first time that I met Andy in person, I was a Marine corporal meritoriously promoted. Um, so I was, I was hot, right? So I was in the Marine Corps for a year and a half and I'm already a corporal. I'm, a, I'm on my way to becoming a sergeant. I'm doing all these crazy schools. I'm a jump master. I'm jumping out of airplanes. I'm doing crazy stuff that I would have never imagined me doing, right? I'm a, I'm a 21 year old. No, so yeah. So I am a sergeant. I'm a sergeant now um, in two and a half years. So I'm like, hey, I'm cruising, right? And I have every reason to feel like a macho man. And I guess that's what I was really seeking, right? I'm, I'm seeking mm -hmm. this identity of like this macho man because something was missing. And I think that's why mm -hmm. I ended up in the Marine Corps and I just ended up sticking around nine years later. I'm still in. And uh, I come up and I finally see Andy and I'm like, Andy, what's going on? You know, we hug. And, you know, guys kind of either do like a side hug, you know, that's cool. Uh -huh. Yeah. And then like some guys give you a full frontal hug and like, that's cool too. But like, if you come and do a full frontal hug, it's usually like a quick tap, boom. And then we're done. Dude, yeah, and good then seeing you. Yeah. <sighs> and I still remember this man. Like it was yesterday Andy grabbed me and he brought me in and he held me and I let go. And I realized he wasn't <laughs> letting go. <laughs> Right. And then, you know, then you kind of wait because, oh, some people might like hug to might like to hug a little bit longer. No, he's still hugging. And guys, I, I couldn't make this up. Like we hugged for like 20 seconds and he knew in my spirit that's what I needed. He knew yep. in my heart of hearts that's exactly what I needed at that point. To somebody who was older than me to tell me you are a good man. You're doing it right. Good job. 
Good job. Yeah. You know, good and faithful son. Like you're, you're doing it. And I just, I just embraced them again. I'm like, I guess we're just hugging. And that, that just shows our inability to really like connect and really pour out yes. that we think that that's not normal. Like embracing another guy and being like, dude, I love you, man. You know, yeah. a lot of guys, we just kind of show this little Christian, you know, side hug, whatever it is. And yeah. hey, no shame to that. But I'm just saying like, you need men that you are going to get real with, that you're going to get intimate with, that you are going to get alongside with and let them pour into you. You pour into them. Um, so I can really resonate with what you're saying, Ken. Dude, that is so powerful, Ray. Um, I have so many things I could say about that. I, I'll tell you, at the times when I would be like in, aware of what of really sexually desiring another male, there are multiple times throughout my life where I would have a moment where I'm I would imagine him this this big strong guy just picking me up and holding me. I I just that the, the essence of my homosexual struggle. It's, it's not sexual. The essence, it's emotional pain. It's emotional absence of what you need. And I was craving just to be held, just like you're talking about. And uh, there are guys that are watching this podcast. I guarantee it that if they will, they will continue on in their porn problem or in their sexual dysfunction simply because they're too intimidated to do just what you did. Yeah. If they would actually go and give 20 second hugs to guys that they trust and that they, they love and, you know, and, and, and really experience what it is to be known by another man deeply like that chest to chest. Like you, you feel what the, their body feels like you, you feel what, how much muscle they have or don't have like all that vulnerability that you're experiencing in there. And that, and that hug remains yeah. regardless of what you feel that you do or don't offer that right there breaks chains. It sets captives free. Yeah. It's love personified that, that goes in. And so Amen. I love your story. So good. So you mentioned that you had four kids and uh, are they boys, girls? Uh, I have three boys. And then one of my twins is a girl. How are you being intentional right now? Um, and just teaching your children about their sexual identities again, because like you, um, my, any problems that I had with pornography started when I was way too young, right? Four years yeah. old, but again, nobody there to conceptualize this with. So what can parents be doing and, and what is it that you're doing? Yeah. I think one of the, one of the things that we need to do is first of all, do something. So well, the, it's yeah. the, it's the, uh, most of the time the damage happens because parents just don't say anything, yeah, do nothing. And so the kid is, is left to figure it out themselves or learn from their peers or from porn or something like that. And right. so, you know, we, we just need to be proactive. Um, go ahead practice in the mirror. If you have to practice with your spouse, with a friend of just saying penis, saying vagina, you know, just actually, uh, decide that you're going to lead. And, um, and then, you know, what is best is if we start with what, what original design is instead of the, the counterfeit or the, the aberration from that. So in other words, don't start the conversation by talking about homosexuality or LGBT or start with celebrating what it is to be a man and what it is to be a woman. And that God has specific roles that he intended for those that they're not the same. You know, start with celebrating the fact that you know, um, um, fathers are made this way and, 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 you know, mothers are made this way the, the biology, the fact that a woman can, can, um, breastfeed her children and that God's made her body yes. have everything it needs to totally supply this child's life source for, you know, for the first whole season of, of their life. 
and, and that the father, though, it's his job to to cover and protect the family. And I mean, just some of these that, you know, they feel like age old or out of date stereotypes. And, and while we shouldn't, you know, while they're not hard and fast rules, there's a lot of value in just celebrating just kind of the uniqueness of how God did form us, even yeah. if it sounds a little stereotypical, you know, 100%. I mean, men are in general, men are physically stronger than women. There are some women who are stronger than some men, but you know, it's okay. It's okay to talk about that as long as we're being honoring of both, uh, of both sexes. So we started talking with my kids. I mean, you got to do it early now. I'm talking three, four years old. You got to be talking about Yes. Celebrating mass, you know, being a male or being a female talking to, you know, you, by the time they're four or five, you got to be talking about their genitalia and, and just demystifying it, just, just making it to where the the kid knows that you're comfortable talking about it. So if they have a question, they're going to come to you, not someone else. That's so good. (laughs) That's really, that's it, man. And For some reason, my wife and I got on that same uh, line of thinking. And I don't know why we saw it as like a high priority, but we now understand that there have been good um, return on investments on that. So my five-year-old, guys, from the moment that my kids could speak, there was no Wee Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Like that's not how we call (laughs) our body parts. My son has a penis. My daughter has a vagina. They say it from age three to, my daughter was two, same penis and vagina. Now we don't have them say it, you know, like in public, like we, we tell them (laughs) what that all means and what's going on. And I mean, if you really think about it, 60 years ago, when we were just starting to leave the farms, right? Like most families were living in smaller farm or or in smaller towns, like kids knew about the reproductive system because they're watching animals, right? Like, but we're like now trying to soften it up and do this stuff. And it's really doing a lot of harm because of the mystification of it. So yeah, great advice, man. Great advice. Like just get right to it. Get right to it, right from the start. No, that's your penis, son. And I love how you said, Ken, um, having them celebrate their genders. With my son, I have him celebrate his strength. And I want him to know how he can use his strength and how God has given him his strength to protect others, especially, you know, not to hurt his little sister, but to protect her. Right. So exactly. And I see that as my role as a father. And I I also do that with my daughter, just in certain ways of showing her um, that she is captivating. And my wife does a lot in showing her her masculinity. um, I'm sorry, her femininity. Mm -hmm. So how important do you think a father's role is in this entire thing? I believe the the number one problem in the world today, certainly in the United States, is fatherlessness, uh, because it is it creates a cascade of uh, of um, deficiency throughout society. Like um, when there's like like you were saying, you know, your story. It's like you were uh, because you didn't have a father, then you're going around not with a temptation to not be a father. And wow. so you can yes. sleep with whoever you want to, yes. you know, and now you took a different term, not turn. Thank God you, you saw that that was not beneficial and, and, and went a better way. But, but I'm telling you when, when, when kids are growing up, certainly boys in particular, when they, they don't have a father in the home, um, there's no, there's no prototype. There's no, there's no image of, you know, available for what is noble, um, what is right what is, you know, where do I get my sense of satisfaction from, from living up to something? It's just, it's vacant there for, for the young man. And so he's going, you know, it's a very big temptation then to look to culture 
or to, you know, what you in my generation to look to MTV or <clears throat> to just look to YouTube or whatever. Right. And, and to see someone who is large and loud and, and I'm going to do that. And, and man, um, if you've got a healthy father in the home, then he just brings that stability and, and, and compliments, um, the compliments, the, the wife, and then the, the children get to learn, Oh, this is how a man treats a woman. Yes. This is how a woman treats a man. And this is, um, how the two are able to create a shelter for us. And it, you know, this is, I get different input from my mom than I do from my dad and I need both. And exactly. when that breaks down and then, and then sexual sin comes into it, think about all of the, the cascade of issues that happen because we don't have right relationship. Um, and, and, uh, and the family unit that God designed. Can I ask this of every single one of my guests? I want to know if you can have one minute with your 20 year old self, you're going to hold them. You're going to hold this face and you only get one minute. You're going to disappear. You got 60 seconds. What would you say? I would say, Ken, you are going to be scared. You're going to think that your life is falling apart. You're going to think that things are hopeless and they will be as long as you're trying to make it all happen yourself, as long as you're relying on you, but trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. And so the, 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 the shortcut to, to the life that you want, the shortcut to fulfillment, to, you know, being in right fellowship with God and having that sense of I'm okay. All of that is found in a radical pursuit of intimacy with God, of experiencing him as your father. Like actually, I mean, like really he's your father. He's that's more really in some ways than your earthly father. And to, to, to know that he can be known and, and that um, every ounce of energy that you put into that is going to pay back dividends and will allow it. In other words, rather than trying to solve all of these issues in your life, it, that is really a, the cure all. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. I mean, there's nothing that he didn't purchase on the cross that we need. And so spend yourself relying on trusting and, and, and getting to know this loving father who sent his son and gave the Holy spirit to walk with us moment by moment. And you will do well. Tell our listeners where it is that they can find you, how they can connect with you, how they can connect with your ministry. Please tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, sure. Um, equipped to love.com T O uh, for the word two. Um, you can find us there. That's where we have our ministry re resources and teachings and things like that. And then you can track along with all the testimonies. I know hundreds of people who have left LGBT behind and are just wholeheartedly following Christ and having great lives. Um, you can track along with them on Instagram uh, or at changedmovement.com. Um, we also have uh, a Facebook page for Equipped to Love as well. Um, but yeah, it's an honor to be here. Um, I love what you're doing. I just pray blessing and multiplication of the influence um, because men, I'm telling you today, our big problem is men need to know who they are and stand up and proudly lead their families and serve God. And so 
I just bless this this podcast. Amen to that. Gentlemen, as always, all of the links to this episode are going to be down below. So go ahead and check them out. Check us out at thebecomingman.com. Also connect with us on Instagram at becoming.men. Again, that's at becoming.men. We cannot wait to connect with you guys. If you haven't done so already, head over to iTunes, leave us a five-star rating. All of that is much appreciated and does a lot to be able to get this podcast in front of men like you who need to hear it. Guys, until next time, continue to march.